Greetings, folks. This is Pastor Christopher here with you again as we continue our journey. You are listening to Second Mile, a podcast of Project 516, where we reflect on where the journey has taken us on the trail, talk with people who are finding their own time apart, or those who have that traveled wisdom to share with us together. The road goes ever on, to quote from Tolkien, and having someone alongside you as you walk that second mile can make all the difference. This segment of Second Mile walks with a couple of pastors who have committed to hiking a week's worth of miles on the Appalachian Trail with their friends and family. Starting at the southern terminus in Georgia, we'll be heading northbound, hopefully to the Unicoi Gap. Okay, so here we are, the last day of the trip, if not the last day of the actual hiking. (laughs) Um, Spent last night in a hotel, a really nice hotel. Uh, down here in a place called Avalon, which is kind of north and east of uh, Atlanta. Uh, One of our guys are going to fly out of Atlanta, so this seemed like a a good spot to kind of all keep together for a little bit until his his flight takes off uh, later, um, early tomorrow, I think. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Endgame, but maybe not in the way that you expect me to or would expect me to. I'm not going to nerd out, (laughs) even though I really want to. (laughs) Um, but I uh, want to talk a little bit about that uh, in a second, but I wanted to also kind of revisit something that I know we've talked about before is that that thing about the strap not having to be crooked. I think I mentioned it yesterday again and said we'd, we'd talk a little bit more about it. It was just fascinating to me how much that continued to mean. It came out in kind of some other walks of life, some other conversations that we had and continue to have Mostly in this way of framing kind of our current situation. And here's, here's an example. In retrospect, in my own life, there were uh, some years ago, <clears throat> I had a pretty traumatic run-in professionally uh, with some things I was doing. I was working at a hospital, and um, it was really hard on me for a lot of... Um, Reasons that I hadn't even fully sussed out when when I started that that position there, and so the more I kept uh, being at the hospital and working at the hospital, um, I uh, um, lost a lot of weight. Uh, was was really just just felt nervous a lot of the time. Um, couldn't sleep more than a, a couple hours at a stretch, and this was in the midst of doing like nightly yoga and some other stuff. And for me, part of that was a realization that I didn't have to continue to live life in that way. I could do several different things. I could ask for help. I could be in a deeper conversation with my wife about what was going on. I could reach out to other professionals in the hospital and out of the hospital. I could... um, try and brainstorm about creative ways to compensate for for the position i could look at you know how long does this position really need to last how quickly can i get out of this kind of thing 
Um, I did several and and uh, of, of those and and some other things and changed the situation and started a long year process of of kind of getting um, more healthy. I won't say better, <laughs> um, but. You know, that's a perfect example of this philosophy. The strap does not have to be crooked. And for some reason, <laughs> it's one of those things that it takes you a while to really get, right? Like, like it seems simple. It seems like something you should be able to grasp easily and confess and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to just move on. But kind of like that story... Um, from, from day, from day three, it's hard to notice when your strap's crooked. You can know that your strap doesn't have to be crooked, but it's hard for you to notice yourself that your strap is crooked. If you remember the story, it was one of the other guys that said, well, your strap's crooked. That's why your pack hurts. That's why you're not having a, a as good a time as you might hike in this trail. It was somebody else that was able to see that. And I wanted to kind of bridge this strap to our, our end game conversation here in a minute with this other story that's pretty fabulous uh, that my wife and I kind of talked about, um, gosh, weeks ago, maybe maybe a couple months. Um, but it's called the Rosetto Effect. It was something she listened to on a podcast and, and we kind of talked about and she looked up and things. Um, the Rosetto Effect is a phenomenon by... Well, it's described as like a close, a close knit community can experience healthier lives. In particular, the reason it's named that is it was named for this town uh, in uh, Rosetto, Pennsylvania, which is a real place. And in 1960, like early 1960s, there was this guy um, named uh, Dr. Stuart Wolf, uh, who was uh, doing medicine, I think, out in Oklahoma or something. And he just kind of, he just kind of like entered into the situation through conversation and just kind of realized um, that this town had had like this super low rate of like heart attacks and stuff when in comparison with like other uh, cities and towns around them. So what happens is that there's a 50 year study that compares this town to other towns that are nearby and stuff. And they realize that the people in this town are healthier than the people in the surrounding areas. And they, so they, they work, they work hard. They, they're like, all right, why? You know, they want to, they want to figure this out. Uh, cynics, we can say that they wanted to figure this out so that they could bottle it and package it and sell it to people. Um, <laughs> optimists might say, you know, they want to find it out because they want to improve the lives of the human race and just make everybody healthier. So the only thing that they could figure out, because the guys in this town, uh, it was a group, it was a group of, uh, Italian immigrants and, uh, pr predominantly and, um, they they smoked. They they drank wine all the time. They uh, ate like cheese and meatballs, and you know stuff was fried in lard and like all this stuff. They did all these things that you know like it's supposed to be bad for your heart, and yet their rate of heart attack and their health was better than any of the surrounding communities, who were you know supposedly doing those things. Um, so the thing that they figure out is that it was the community. So they study these people for 50 years, and they say it's the community. That's 
what made them healthy. They were close-knit. The houses themselves were close together. The uh, uh, life, the, the, the living, the, the uh, what am I trying to say? The, the economy of living were, were very similar. Everybody lived more or less the same, you know, the same means. Uh, their elders and children were all incorporated into community life. Uh, so it was the community. And that's a way of saying it was the relationships that people had. They made themselves a close-knit community, and that's why they were healthier. As they, um, the, the authors of this study, that 50-year that study, um, as, they, as the town kind of became more, um, you know, as different people moved into the town and stuff, you know, uh, the town kind of changed into a regular American town, and they lost that, that health benefit. So what does this say? It says that being in community with people makes you healthier. That's not, I mean, that shouldn't be news to anybody. There, there's records of that. There's records of how isolation leads to, to death. There's the big heat wave in Chicago years ago. Um, I'd have to look up the, the dates for it, but it was, it was a while back. But um, a lot of single men died in that heat wave, um, middle-aged and older men. Uh, who tend to be the ones that isolate themselves the most, um, they died basically because they didn't have anybody to help them. Like, things got really hot in the city. This was record temperatures, like 102 or something else. Nobody had any air conditioning. The power went out and all this other stuff. And um, they died because they didn't have anybody to help them. They didn't have anybody, had to have anybody to check in on them. So, like, in a very real way, we know, like, oh, yeah, being in community... <laughs> makes you healthier or, you know, at least increases your chances of, of not dying. Um, you know, we have statistics for older Americans and all over the world where as people get older, if they're, if they're not in community, if they're not checked up on, then, you know, they pass away more quickly. Uh, their, their care is worse and all these other things. But in Rosetto, there was something else kind of happening to make everyone in the town kind of healthier in this way that applied itself to the community. They, what they were finding, what they were looking at is that they, they figured the community and the structure of the community actually was less stressful. It was a very low amount of stress. Nobody was putting pressure on themselves to like keep up with the neighbors kind of thing. You know, we need to buy more. We need to do this. We need to do that. That is a low-grade stress pressure that you put on yourself. And these guys, they did not work like, they weren't like doing desk jobs or just like, you know, farmers or something like that. They worked in a slate mine and they had a lot of health concerns and, and, and disease that they contracted and stuff from those mines and stuff that, that, they, that they worked at. But this lack of low-grade stress, this lack of... Um, uh, being worried all the time about um, people breaking into your house, about uh, being nervous about uh, the, the, the unknown, uh, the unknown neighbor or the unknown person in your neighborhood, that kind of thing, that made them healthier. And it's, it's fascinating to me when we look at kind of where we are back home 
you know, you got these apps now next door and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, I saw somebody and they're lurking around and neighborhood watch and all that stuff's really good. And I mean, it has, it can have positive effect and positive benefit, but if you're attachment to that is a stressful one then it's probably killing you <laughs> um if you live in a neighborhood where you feel like you have to constantly achieve or do your lawn a certain way or do the house a certain way in order that you stay uh similar to your other houses in your neighborhood or the other people in your neighborhood that's low-grade stress that's probably killing you you know um it really kind of, it was kind of one of those, the strap doesn't have to be crooked moments, uh, I think, to, to just kind of hear about that Rosetto effect, that it was a real thing, that they studied it, that it was a clinical trial and everything else, to the idea of like low-grade neighborhood stress and the idea of like not knowing your neighbors and not having a close-knit community and support structure. I think that's really, it's incredibly important um, especially for, you know, generationally now people move around a lot. Nobody's standing in the same position for 20, 30, 40 years. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's staying at the same place for that amount of time. Um, so everybody's moving around. Everybody's more mercurial in the way that they uh, have a career and things like that. Um, so, and, and I think that trend will continue, um, um, unless it, unless we suddenly have kind of a reversal as more and more things become, uh, remote offices and stuff like that. And I'm sure that'll increase as, as time goes on. But until then, I think it's really, really important to build and find your community because sometimes when your strap is crooked, you can't see it. It's all well and good to know that the strap doesn't have to be crooked, but if you can't see that the strap is crooked and you're just struggling under the weight of that pack day after day, mile after mile, ascension after ascension, and you keep wondering, why does this feel so bad? Why is everything awful? Why is it so heavy on my back? You've got to have people around you. There was another study that was done actually more recently um, on the uh, on the 516 Project 516 website. Uh, you can look at it. it there's a blog that um, we wrote about it, and uh, it says that not only well, it doesn't make the connection between health, but for our purposes, not only does being a community make you healthier, but being a community actually makes you happier. They did a whole 70-year study on happiness. It was the longest study in history. And they followed these, these, uh, these folks around, and what they discovered was that the, the better their relationship, the better their close relationship with their spouse or, or close friends, the happier they were. Above and beyond means above and beyond economy above and beyond education above and beyond satisfaction at work and job and all these other things the thing that meant the most was the relationship so connect all that back to end game <laughs> i was thinking about um you know we're gonna go see the movie and everything and the thing i'm i'm kind of sad about is that um, we can't do, or we're not going to do a midnight showing. 
we were talking about it and somebody said, yeah, I don't think they do midnight showings anymore. I think they just, they just show the movie the previous day or they kind of have uh, premieres or something like that at local theaters and stuff. And they're not doing so many of the uh, midnight showings. I was like, oh, that's really, that's really too bad. Cause that was always really, that was my favorite part of going to see any movie uh, in, in, in the recent past, you know, you go to see the big blockbusters, Star Wars, a Harry Potter or something, you know, when it comes out, you do that midnight showing and that is, that's your community, right? That's your crew. Uh, or if you go to like, you know, um, what do they call them? Like vanity showings of old movies and stuff. They had a, a big Lebowski. Uh, they showed that at a local theater, uh, here in town in Richmond. And, um, <laughs> like everybody showed everybody who showed up to that movie had already seen the movie, you know, or, or were bringing people uh, who hadn't seen it. were going to see it for the first time. Um, but, but they were, everybody was fans of what was going on. And that, that was always like, that's the best part because you know, you're going to see this movie. You know, you're going to have this experience of this next thing. Either you're going to watch the old movie together that you love, or you're going to see the next new thing that's coming out. The next part of the story together and that is more fun and i started thinking about like why is why does that matter who cares like you're it's just the same thing but it's this experiential understanding of being in community and one of the positive things about community and the reason why we're healthier and happier when we have these close relationships is because when we have that joy, the joy is compounded. And when we have that sorrow, the sorrow is thinned out among us, right? That's an old adage that is old proverbial wisdom that says that. And it's true. We watch those movies together when we hike together, when we're on the trail together. And that's why I lament, oh, I lament some of these folks that do the trail alone. <laughs> Or as, as as alone as you can do a through hike, you know, you, you, if you follow some of these folks on Instagram uh, this year or have in the past, uh, you can see they they pick up they pick up buddies along the way, but a lot of times they fall in and out of relationship with those folks as they kind of hike at different paces or people fall off the trail or something like that. I just I, I think there's still something missing there, you know, like our group. We get there, we're, we're there together, we're hiking together. There was nobody in our group that said, well, listen, you guys go ahead and get off the trail. I'm going to do the next night and the next, you know, eight miles or whatever. And I'll, I'll see you at the hotel the next day or something like that. Nobody said that, um, regardless of who it was for or why we did it. <laughs> um, it was the cohesion of the group and the point of the time was to be together as a group. So as you're out there, if you're looking for, if you're looking to go back out onto the trails or do some hiking, or if you're going to, you know, check out the 516 uh, website and, and look at the forums there for gear and backpacking and stuff like that. Um, keep the community in mind, find a hiking group, uh, meetup has a bunch. Usually you can find, um, reach out to some folks, reach out to some, some, some good friends, some acquaintances, um, and, uh, work at building your community, 
work at building those relationships. The studies and the, the science says work at doing that more than eating healthy. Isn't that great? <laughs> you know, drink wine and cheese and meatballs and work more on your relationships. Yeah, this is the, the clear dispensation from science to have that kind of freedom. Work less on job satisfaction or career money-making. Well, we all got to make a certain amount, right? Yeah, you, you got you to live, you got to eat, you got to save for retirement. But, you know, instead of focusing on ladder climbing, focus on those relationships. Because that's the thing that carries you through. That's the thing that leads to an amazing life. That's the thing that refreshes you constantly. Well, today we're going to end this with some sounds of the babbling brook. <laughs> Water is often the biggest refreshment on the trail. And hearing that, hearing that spring coming down the mountain in the background as you round a corner or come up over a crest is good news indeed. It is awesome to hear. It's so... Ah, it lightens your load and increases your breath. So as we close this segment, we'll look forward to some more hiking segments. Uh, we're going to do some more hiking. Um, I'm going to do another segment with uh, family, what it's like to hike with family, uh, with my, my daughter, who's uh, just turned eight. Um, and we'll do uh, some other things. We're going to go on some other hikes in August as well. So we'll catch you then. And until then, take good care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Second Mile, a podcast of Project 516. Project 516 is a ministry which seeks to support clergy and laypeople as they traverse some of the hardest parts of their lives. In the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 16, it says that Jesus often walked away from the crowds to seek God and rejuvenate in the wilderness. Project 516 helps hold you accountable, supplies you with resources and community, and clears the way for you to rejuvenate the spiritual path of your life. Let's journey together. To find out more about Project 516, visit us on the web at project516.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Luke 516.